Welcome to the Alien Beer Podcast. I'm Chrissy Garrison, and I will be reading my science fiction stories to you. Spectral Delivery started life in early 2013 as a sample story to serve as introduction to my Road Ghost trilogy. Its chronological place in the series is somewhere between the second book, Sinking Down, and the third one, Me and the Devil, but it's meant to stand alone and contains no real spoilers. The story is included as a part of the Road Ghost Omnibus and is read wonderfully in the audiobook by Sean DeRegger. I'm not including his reading here on the podcast. If you'd prefer his professional reading over this free read-by-the-author version, then you'll have to buy the audiobook. You should anyway. It's worth it for Sean's amazing reading of three books and this short story. It's told from the point of view of Enid, who's an outsider to the supernatural adventures of Brett, Gonzo, and their friends, but she ended up charming me enough that I revisited her in Christmas Special, which is later in the Alien Beer Stories series. P.S. I used to deliver pizzas for a living. The Hey Dudes are real. Spectral Delivery Call off sick, Enid. Trust me, you don't want to get stuck in a car all night training with that freak, Brett. I hear he's a devil worshiper. My friend Viola, working the phones, covered the mic of her headset as she whispered this warning to me. I mean, he and that creepy goth girl hang around in cemeteries at night. I saw them once. They were just sitting there, like on someone's grave, with flashlights and junk. So, I said, drawing my ponytail through the back of my king's pizza delivery hat. He seems nice enough. What do I care what hobbies he has? So long as he drives fast and gets me out of here by 11 tonight for my late Valentine's date, he could be on the devil's bowling team for all I care. I adjusted the curve of the bill of my hat, hoping I didn't look as dorky as I felt. Viola reached over and tucked some stray hair up under my hat for me. She shrugged and said, just keep your phone on you. Text me if anything funny happens. Or better yet, text Jeff. He can be your knight in shining armor. She fluttered her eyelids and cast her gaze dreamily at the ceiling. I swatted at her. As if. He's ticked at me already for having to work on Valentine's Day. And with him, it'd be wool armor bundled up in one of his sexy lawyer suits. She laughed. Pre-law, you mean. I felt a pang of failure at the mention of my former major. Lack of funds had kept me from getting past my second year. Oh well, maybe someday. Meanwhile, I could live vicariously through Jeff. Whatever. I'm not calling off sick to avoid Brett. You stuck your neck out to get me this driver job, so I'm going to be a good girl and do as I'm told. Besides, I don't think I want to tick off the boss. Enid, order up. Brett's waiting. As if on cue, my shift manager, Uncle Gonzo, growled from the other end of the counter. I don't know his real name, but the big guy's name tag even has that nickname on it. He slid the pizza into its box, partitioning it with four strokes of his deadly-looking rocker blade. And ladies, cut the gossip. The phones are ringing, okay? He favored me with a squinty glare, but his lips curved upward just a twitch as he slid the box my way. I grabbed an insulated pizza delivery bag off the shelf and slid the box into it, noting the address. Viola grinned at me. Say hi to the hey dudes for me, hmm? The hey dudes? I heard Gonzo crackle behind her but when I looked, his back was to me. Great. Uh, Gonzo, is there any chance I could be out of here by 11? Not at the rate you're going. Scoot. I picked up the bag and sighed, shooting a glare back at Viola as I hustled out the door and into the cool, dark night. Brett's car, an elderly black Saturn, idled right out front. 
I pulled open the back door of the, on the passenger side, popped the pizza bag in next to the one Brett had taken out a minute before me. I slammed that door and hopped in the front seat next to him. He wore the same red t-shirt and ball cap uniform as me, and I felt a silly kinship as he grinned at me. Something about him made me think of a cheerful beagle. Welcome aboard, Enid. Where are we going? I rattled off the address. Brett groaned. Oh, not the hay dudes again. That's what Viola said, too. What's up with that? Brett pulled the car out of the lot and out onto the city streets. You'll see. My cell phone vibrated in my pants pocket. I slipped it out and glanced at the glowing screen. Jeff's words spelled out. Where are you? I'd never upgraded to anything smarter, so I was able to type out my reply without having to look, using the numeric keypad. Working. Try to get off early. His reply made me bite my lip to hold back an exasperated sigh. It's late already. This sucks. I sent back, sorry, need the job, on a run, GTG. I waited for a reply, but after a minute of silence, I guessed that my honey was too irritated to say anything back. What could he say? I did need the job. If Brett cared that I was texting as he drove us around, he didn't let on, eyes still on the road. Aren't we going to your pie's address first, I asked, as he dodged around slower moving vehicles along our route. Nope, the hay dudes are closer, and the other pie is special delivery. It has to be there at a certain time. Speaking of time, how long do you think this run will take? I asked, sound, trying to sound casual. Brett just shrugged and didn't look at me. I don't know, not too long. It's just two pies. I was kind of hoping since it's Valentine's Day night, and... Yeah, I know. My girlfriend keeps texting me what she's not wearing. I want to get done as early as we can. Believe me. Relief flooded through me. Brett had a reason to hurry, too. And he not only had a girlfriend, he mentioned her in my presence, so the guy wasn't about to hit on me, either. Not that I'd mind so much. Brett's not half bad for someone ten years older than me. But it could be awkward, especially if he's really as creepy as Viola says, despite appearances. Maybe Viola's just pulling my leg about Brett. We pulled up to a large two-story house in a neighborhood a couple of blocks from the campus. A neon beer ad glowed in the front window next to the front door. I grabbed up the pizza bag and followed Brett up the walk. I couldn't see inside as we stepped up onto the porch. All the windows I could see had blinds pulled. Brett gestured at the door, and I looked at him a moment before I realized he wanted me to knock. So I did. The door swung open, and four shaggy-haired guys in Hawaiian shirts cried out in chorus, Hey, dudes! Hence the name. I felt a stupid grin take over my face, and I replied, Hey, pizza's here. Well, all right, come on in, cried one dude, who wore a friendly wolfish grin on his face. He pushed open the screen door and gestured a grand invitation. I don't think I started. Don't worry, these guys are okay, said Brett, taking the door and waiting for me to go in. I looked from Brett's calm face to the wolfish hey dude, and my gut said this was okay. Sure, but we have to get rolling, right? Brett nodded. Right. Wolf dude stepped aside as I got the pizza out of the bag and walked to a messy kitchen table in the room inside. Another hey dude, who seemed more fox-like than wolfish, swept away empty beer cans and ashtray and various snack wrappers, making enough room for the pizza box. I set it down and turned to find Brett talking with wolf dude. So yeah, like I told you, it started last week, the dude said to Brett. Pots and pans banging in the middle of the night, crazy faces in the bathroom mirror in the wee hours. 
You said weed, dude, said Fox Dude, snickering. Shut up. I'm talking to the ghost dude, okay? Maybe you can help. I blinked. Ghost dude? Brett reddened a little. It's just a hobby of mine. Dude's a ghostbuster, said Fox Dude. I prefer paranormal investigators, said Brett, lowering his eyes to stare at Wolf Dude's shoes. But my trainee and I have to run. Aw, dude, can't you just, I don't know, have a look around? Begged Wolf Dude. I'll make it worth your while. He pulled out cash to pay for the pizza and added a $10 bill. I don't know what kind of tips Brett normally got, but the 50% tip got his attention. He looked at me, waiting for me to decide for him. I sighed. I guess. Let's get it over with. Brett took something palm-sized out of his pocket. A compass. As he paced around the front rooms, he held the compass far out in front of him, as though balancing a glass of water. The hay dudes followed him around in a single file, weaving around furniture and trash bags behind him. They whispered jokes and swattered at each other. This procession made me think of ducklings flapping and waddling after their mama. I followed when they left the dining area. Buried under pizza boxes, well-loved but underwashed clothing, video game controllers, DVD cases, and occasional abused books, the floor and furniture of the living room showed primarily by outline. All except a threadbare armchair and ottoman, their scratchy-looking orange cloth exposed to view. Brett sat cross-legged on the floor of the living room. He stared down at the compass and his smartphone on the ottoman. The phone displayed a classic microphone graphic, and a red dot in the corner made me realize he was recording with some kind of app. Is there anyone here? He asked the air in front of him. He seemed to wait for a reply for a long moment. Fox Dude broke the silence. What's Ghost Dude doing? Shut up! He's on the phone with the dead, explained Wolf Dude. Brett scowled at them both, but continued talking to the air. If you speak, I will hear you, he paused. Try to make this compass spin so we know you're here, okay? So help me God, the needle of the compass twitched. I felt the little hairs on the back of my neck stand up. The hay dudes whooped and high-fived each other. Brett went on. Thank you. So please tell me, what has you upset? The hay dudes hushed each other, straining to listen for a reply. My cell phone buzzed. I peeked. Jeff asked, Done yet? I just sent back, No, I think we're having a seance. His return text said, You're shitting me. I smiled and sent back, Tell you later. After a few more questions, Brett stopped the recording and said, Okay, I'm going to play this back. I think we'll hear replies between the questions if we're very quiet, okay? The hay dudes nodded and wolf dude pretended to lock his lips and threw away the imaginary key. The other guys followed suit. I just sat on my hands and tried not to think of time slipping away from me, my Valentine's Day with my honey running out. But despite my anxiety, I still listened in silence, wondering what we'd hear. Is there anyone here? said Brett's recorded voice. After Fox Dude's joke repeated, there was a voice. Yes. It was a long, drawn-out hiss of a whisper, so faint I thought maybe one of the guys in the room had shushed another. They all looked at each other with wide eyes. They hadn't. I shivered. The recording went on, and we heard Brett ask for the compass to move. I thought I heard a grunt after that request. The hay dudes made faces at each other, pointing at the compass, which twitched again. Brett held up a hand to keep them quiet, eyes focused on his phone. Next on the playback came Brett's question. Please tell me, what has you upset? 
The voice came like a screamed whisper. Filthy! Tidy up! We all traded silent, wide-eyed glances. I think I gasped. Brett's recording went on, playing Brett's questions, but there were no more replies from the voice. During this, Brett scooted a foot further from the ottoman. His eyes didn't meet our glances. He stared at a point about three feet above the tattered piece of furniture. Like, what's it mean? asked Fox, dude. Brett cleared his throat and stood up, collecting his phone and compass. It means your ghost is pissed. She thinks you need to clean up around the place. She, said the hey dudes in unison. I asked, how can you tell? Brett caught my eye, glanced at the door, and jerked his chin. It just sounded like a woman's whisper, like someone's cranky grandma who likes everything in its place. He walked to the table and picked up the insulated pizza bag. I'd made my way to the door, checking my cell phone again. Jeff had sent, Did you raise any spirits? I've got wine. I replied with, Very funny. Kind of creepy stuff here. Wolf Dude beat me to the door, blocking Brett and me from opening it to leave. He held out his hands, palms up in front of him. Tell me, what do we do? Brett and I exchanged a look, and I told the Hey Dudes, I'd say you should do what the lady asks and tidy up around here. Will she stop bugging us if we do? Brett looked past the wolf dude to a spot above the ottoman. He nodded, then looked at the shaggy guy and said, Yeah, I think that's the deal. Oh, man, I heard Fox Dude complain. It's like having my mom live here. Wolf Dude sighed, relaxed his shoulders to a more natural slump and smiled. Thanks, dude, he said, then added, dudes, and favored me with a bright smile. He stepped away from the door and held it open for us. Brett slipped out first. Uh, nice to meet you, I said. Oh, Viola back at the store says to say hi. Hi. Dude, tell Viola to rock on. He grinned at me and took a couple of steps to the table. Give this to her for me, will you? Wolf Dude took out the receipt of the pizza box, scribbled something, and folded it up. He walked back to me quite close and placed the note in my hand. I liked the comforting warmth of his hand closing around mine. I expected him to smell of pot or patchouli, but instead I smelled something like gingerbread. I said, sure thing, dude. I felt dumb for adding that, but it earned me a brighter smile from him. Don't open it. It's for Viola. Of course I won't. I'm a professional delivery girl. My phone buzzed in my pocket at the same time Brett called from outside, urging me to get going. Now who's in a hurry? I left the hey dudes and trotted down their walk after Brett. That freaky stuff back there, that's normal to you, isn't it? He nodded, getting into the car. I got in on the other side and barely had time to buckle up before Brett launched his Saturn down the street. I said, you know more than you're saying, aren't you? He shrugged, looking at the road. I told them the truth. What did you see over that ottoman? He glanced at me, then back at the road. Noticed that, did you? Yeah, I saw the former owner of the ottoman, a prim little housewife dressed in 50s fashion, perched there after the compass moved. She had her arms folded in front of her and a disgusted sneer on her face. I thought a moment. So why just the past week? I'd bet a lot that those guys didn't just start living like pigs. He laughed and shook his head. You're a bright girl, Enid. No, I'd bet my tips for the night they, they just got the ottoman at Goodwill a week or two ago and the housewife came along with it. What? Why would she hunt furniture? Who knows why ghosts haunt anything? Maybe it's the last piece of a set of furniture that was in her house. 
and even that's gone now. Maybe it had sentimental value. I checked my phone. Is that guy you're training with being a creep? I sent back a reply. Strange, not creepy. One more run and I can go, I think. Something occurred to me. So if the hey dudes just got rid of the ottoman, wouldn't that take care of their problem? Brett snorted. You got it. Then why didn't you tell them that? He shrugged. I figured that the place could use a woman's touch. We both laughed at that one. Brett pulled his car up in front of a little brick house on a dark street. There was a porch light on. I recognized it. This was the witch's house. No, not like Wiccan Earth Mother types. Lighting candles to celebrate the full moon or whatever. I know some Wiccans. They're cool. They throw the best parties. No, this was the old lady everyone talked about on this side of town. She lived alone and seemed like she was a hundred years old when I was a little girl. And no one dared set foot in her yard. Not for wayward frisbees, not to sell Girl Scout cookies, and not for trick-or-treating. She scared the hell out of kids. Now we walked up to her door. On this cool spring night, I got a chill as a dew of sweat evaporated off the back of my neck. Brett nodded at the door. I shook my head. I, uh, got the last one. Brett hefted the Pete's bag and frowned at me. My stomach nodded. Aw, Brett. I was saved from having to knock on the door by it opening. Inside, in a dark entryway, stood a stooped old woman. She wore a white frilly dress that matched the thinning curls that framed her long, lined face. She seemed to chew as she spoke. Do, do you have it? Just like I ordered? Her voice sounded rich and strong despite her appearance. Her eyes shone with an intensity I didn't expect. Brett said, Yes, the special delivery you ordered, ma'am. She huffed a breath. Don't you man me, boy. It's got to be just right, you know. Hold on a moment. Hold on. I'll be right back. The door shut, and I heard her shoes clicking on the hardwood floor as she walked away from us inside. What? I said, looking at Brett. He just smiled. Customer's prerogative. I started a reply, but my phone buzzed. My honey texted me, Almost done yet? You should have some of this wine. Not yet. Special delivery to the witch. Jeff grew up in this neighborhood, too, so he knew what I meant. Huh? What kind of pizza place is this? Are the Adams family next? I shut my phone. I heard her clicking shoes coming back, so I put away my phone and stood up straighter. The door swung back and the old woman got in my face. Let's see it. Her breath smelled like lavender mint. Pretty sure I squeaked when I took a step back and I almost stumbled into the grass. Brett pulled out the pizza and opened the box. I could see and smell that it was an EBA, everything but anchovies, a garbage pie that had to weigh as much as a gallon of milk with all those layers of toppings. Usually a favorite of guys like the Hey Dudes or prank callers that sent expensive deliveries to random addresses. She raised a spidery old hand and shook it over the pie, muttering something I couldn't hear. Flakes of something fluttered down and I realized she had some kind of spice shaker. Why add seasonings here at the door? Could it be a spell? Is it poison? She took a deep breath of the steam that rose from the thick pizza and made a face I could only guess was a smile. I worried something might break off of her. Is that what you want delivered? Brad asked. She nodded and patted his arm. There's a good boy. She glanced at me and her smile disappeared. What are you looking at, girly? I, nothing, ma'am. I glanced back toward the car, the instinct to flee rising in me. Let's go or we'll be late, said Brett, sliding the pizza back in the hot bag.
He held it up with one hand and took my elbow with the other and turned me to march back to the car. I looked back once as I got in. She stared with those laser beam eyes right at me. I couldn't find my breath for a second, like I'd forgotten how. Brett got in on his side and plopped the heavy pizza bag in my lap. I just stared at it while Brett buckled his seatbelt. I didn't sign on for this. What pizza has a layover stop? The car started. Brett pulled us away from that house, drove a block down, and stopped. What the hell, Brett? I asked. My mind whirled. Should I go along with this? What if the old lady had just poisoned the pizza before sending it to someone else? What does he know that he's not saying? He turned to me and said, As I said, this is a special delivery. Follow my lead, okay? We're going on foot from here. Let me tell you, it's rough carrying a heavy bag full of garbage pie, texting an irate boyfriend, and following a deranged pizza delivery ghost hunter around the darkened streets of Memphis, but somehow I managed it. I should get an award, maybe a scholarship, don't you think? Brett shushed me. For the last time, no, this isn't illegal, but we don't want anyone seeing us do it, okay? But why are we walking? I hated whining, but my honey had run out of patience, and the pizza weighed a ton. Like I said, people would notice us pulling up, and we'd look suspicious. Brett's voice dropped to a whisper. Okay, down this alley. Can't risk a flashlight, so be quiet and watch your step. The old bag had better have tipped even better than the hay dudes for all this, this crap I'm going through. The alley turned out to be paved in bricks, showing the age of the neighborhood. Fences and detached garages lined the alley, decorated with trash cans here and there. Something the size of a small dog with a naked rat's tail scuttled across the alley in front of Brett. It stopped and its beady eyes glowed pink as it turned its pointy nose in our direction and sniffed. I didn't scream. The noise I let out sounded more like a leaky tea kettle at a low boil. My gut said to throw the garbage pie at the giant rat and run. Brett grabbed a plastic garbage can lid, held it up like a shield in front of him, and charged the creature. It hissed and scurried into someone's yard. Oh my god, I whispered. Calm down, it's just a possum, he said, replacing the can lid. Really? I guess I've never seen that's not dead on the side of the road before. We walked past another couple of garages and heard giggling. Brett held up a hand to stop. My phone buzzed, but I left it in my pants pocket. I crept close to him and asked, What's wrong? Kids, he whispered. Can't have kids seeing us go to the house. I handed him the pizza bag. I'll take care of this. Before he could object, I marched toward the giggling and clapped my hands three times and said, Hey! The giggling stopped. I waited. No sounds. I said, hey, get out of there. I heard Brett groan behind me. After a hushed conference, several teenage girls slouched out into the alley. Their eyes darted around, anywhere but at me. What are you kids doing? I said in my best babysitter voice. I put my hands on my hips and frowned at them. Well, we were just, I mean, said one mousy girl, hair falling to conceal her eyes. It's not like anyone lives there, said a strawberry blonde girl, who reminded me of an orange tabby cat my mom used to have. She dared me. It's not my fault, crowed a third, dressed like a junior goth wannabe, complete with a Jack Skellington t-shirt, black lipstick, and too much eyeliner. You'd better go, I said. You could get in trouble trespassing like this. Mouse tugged at the crow, who started to inch away, but Tabby stood her ground. 
Says who? A couple of pizza delivery dorks? I took a step toward the teen goth chick. Says a pizza delivery dork with a cell phone. One who knows you're out after curfew. You'd call the cops on us? Why? You think you'll get a better tip? One, I said quietly. Come on, let's go, said Mouse. Crow glared at me. Oh, like counting like my mom's going to scare me. Two, I continued, narrowing my eyes. Mouse grabbed Tabby's hand and dragged her down the alley at a jog. Crow tried to stare me down, but glanced back as her friends bolted. Three, I said, taking my cell phone out of my pocket. Bitch, spat Crow as she took off down the alley after her friends. I turned and curtsied to Brett. He favored me with that beagle grin of his and, and took the lead. Nicely done. Just for that, I'll carry the pie. I followed and snuck a look at my phone. More complaining from my honey, I tried to appease him by suggesting that I was working up a sweat with this delivery so they'd have to let me off after this. I even threw in some sexual innuendo. He reminded me of the time again, so I just shut my phone and put it away. I hate Valentine's Day. Brett led me into the gap of, in the fence where the girls had come from. Tall weeds snagged on my jeans as we followed stepping stones around the garage and up to the back door. He pulled out a key, unlocked the door, and opened it. He took a step in and looked back at me. I stood there, shaking my head. You're crazy. Why are we going in without knocking? Like the teen girl squad said, no one lives here. Then why are we delivering pizza here? Why do you have a key? Just trust me, okay? I sighed, looked around to see if anyone was nearby, hoisted up the lump of ice in my stomach, and stepped inside. Brett used the flashlight on his cell phone to light the floor in front of us. Dust, dead flies, leaves, and other debris littered the floor. Bits of glass crunched underfoot. The smell of mildew permeated the air. What a lovely place. The back door had opened into a small kitchen. Brett led us down a hallway into a larger room, a round table with two chairs the focus of the room. Unlike the floors, walls, and other things in the house, the table and chairs appeared to be spotless, dust-free, and well-cared for. I thought maybe there was the scent of lemon furniture polish to relieve my nose from the moldier odors of the house. Brett set the bag down on a chair. He pulled something smallish wrapped in paper out of his back pocket. Tearing it open, he revealed five black candles in little chromed holders, which he set on the table at equal points around the table. He adjusted the chairs, positioned them between the candles, one space apart. He ignored my questions about what he was up to. Then he pulled the pizza box out of the insulated bag, opened the box, and folded the lid underneath. The fragrance of the EBA pizza lost its charm amid the lemon and mold scents, and my stomach churned a bit, thinking of the dead flies littering the place. Brett set the pizza in the center of the table and started lighting candles. Isn't that, isn't that a fire hazard, I said, stomach continuing to rebel with nausea and a touch of fear. Brett didn't answer me, muttering to the air or to himself. I took two steps back and pulled out my phone and texted Jeff. Creepy here, candle pentagon around the pizza. Jeff texted back, get out now. I shut the phone and backed up another step. The phone buzzed in my hand. I kept my eyes on Brett. Hang on, Enid. You'll want to see this, said Brett, his voice husky, eyes hidden in flickering shadows cast by the candles. I paused. If I ran out now, I could call a cab and find another job. 
If I played along, maybe he'd just let me go on a promise not to tell anyone. Too late for that. What's going on? I asked. Just hang on. What time is it? I flipped open my phone. I had a text from my wireless carrier saying my phone finder had been activated. My GPS coordinates had been sent to Jeff. I felt a tiny bit safer. Um, the time is 10.58. Why? Just about time. Just stand back and watch. He turned his back to me to look at the table. Run now! But I didn't. I stared at the table with Brett. I thought I'd kept my eyes open too long as a mist appeared before me, blanketing the room. I blinked a few times, but the mist remained, swirling around the perimeter of, of the candles of, and the table, breathing one of the chairs. Holy crap, I whispered, as the mist condensed into an in indistinct figure, sitting in one of the chairs. It looked like a guy in an old-fashioned suit of some kind, wearing a fedora. As the mist became more and more solid, I got the impression he was a young guy, no older than Jeff or me, maybe even younger. His sad eyes con contrasted with the confident presence in a way that conjured up the image of a rooster in my mind. The candle flames dimmed in his presence, guttering and wobbling like Beale Street drunks at last call. I felt a chill, though not so much in the air as deep down in my gut. The air thickened around me, leaving a metallic tang on my tongue as I drew in a breath. Who, who is he? My voice came out in a hoarse whisper, sounding like a stranger to my ears. Brett looked away from the seated, misty figure and met my eyes with his. So you can see him too? I nodded. Yeah, hello there, Bing. He smiled and looked back at the spectral figure. Nah, nobody that famous, but you're in the right ballpark. The man made of fog paid us no mind whatsoever. He took his eyes from the circular feast laid out before him and gazed toward the front door. The longing in his face nearly broke my heart. This is a guy who's been waiting on a date for decades. Just a hunch, maybe influenced by the table setting for one, but I knew it, that had to be it. Tall blue and red rectangles of light flickered across the wall adjacent to the front door. These widened as they flowed rapidly across the wall to our side and behind us. The lights dazzled my dark, adjusted eyes, and I put a hand up to block them. Brett and I said, shit, at the same time. I looked at him and saw indecision in his eyes. My mind raced. Had someone seen the candlelight from the street? Had my honey used my phone's GPS and called the police? Let's run out the back, I suggested. He shook his head. Worse to get caught fleeing like we don't belong here. But we don't. There came a pounding at the door. Police! I glanced at cocky, sad fog boy. He disappeared with every flash of the light. I walked up to the door and opened it. Good evening, officer. Happy Valentine's, I began. Put your hands where I can see them, ma'am said the dark, hunky, uniformed policeman. I put my hands out, palms up, and tried to smile. I felt Brett's presence as he stepped up behind me. He said, I can explain. The officer took a step inside. His car's spotlight, aimed at the door, flooded the room. I had a hunch that he wouldn't see our substantial dinner guest. Don't you need a warrant, said Brett. I shook my head. Abandoned property, see? Pre-law was worth something after all. The cop talked into the radio on his shoulder. He said he was apprehending trespassers. My heart sank. Now I stood a good chance of having this as a blot on my record. Not, a, not good for my chances of going back to law school. My cell phone buzzed in my pocket. I wanted to throw it to the floor and stomp it into tiny pieces. 
Something blocked the light bathing us from the doorway. A black silhouette of a stooped figure draped in a translucent, billowing aura. I felt the blood drain from my face. I tried to cry out, but my throat closed with fear. The figure raised an arm, a long finger pointing at us, at me. The silhouette spoke in a rich, commanding, feminine voice. Get out of my house, all of you! I think no one would have blamed me if I'd peed myself right then and there. She took a couple of slow, clicking steps into the room, and her features could be seen once she left the doorway. Our client, the old lady who ordered the EBA. She wore not just any white dress, but a wedding dress. The cop let out a gust of breath next to me. This is your house, ma'am? Her fierce eyes pinned the much larger man. Yes, I don't live here, but I have the deed, and if you care to check the courthouse. Margaret Giardano, look it up. And how dare you interrupt my Valentine's ritual? Ritual? asked the cop, glancing at the pentagon of candles surrounding the thick pizza. Yes, every year my Harry and I share a pizza on Valentine's Day. He's been gone since the war, but I keep up the ritual in his memory. The cop looked at each of our faces, at Brett's hat and mine, and the pizza bag on the chair and relaxed. My apologies, ma'am. Enjoy your dinner. Without another word to us, the policeman left. He shut off the spotlight and party lights when he reached his car. After a couple of long minutes, he drove off. As the dark settled back in the room, the woman's hairy flickered back into existence, his gaze longing for his Margaret. She met his stare, and years melted away from her face, eyes bright now in the candlelight. I said, get out of my house, said Margaret, her tone softer than her words. I wanted to hug her. Let's go, Enid, said Brett. One second, I said, holding up a finger. Margaret, what was that you put on the pizza? She had eyes only for Harry as she crossed the room. Basil. My Harry always has to have basil on his pizza. Brett took my arm and led me out. Before he shut the door, I saw Margaret sit and reach out a hand, met by Harry's, both of them looking beautiful in the candlelight. Brett drove us back to the store. I'd let Jeff know how furious I was that he'd called the cops. He said that he was worried about my safety. Maybe so, but I told him I didn't want to see him tonight after all. I shut the phone all the way off so I wouldn't be tempted to get into a nastier argument with him. As we walked inside, Viola ran to me and touched my arm. Enid, I heard you got in trouble with the cops. Bad news travels fast. I shrugged. Nothing came of it. I was so worried. I mean, out with Brett and then the police. I was right, wasn't I? I shook my head. Not at all. I like Brett. Tonight was more fun than any Valentine's Day. Her eyes widened. So you and Brett? I laughed and pushed her hand off my arm. Nothing like that at all. But I did get a note for you from one of the hey dudes. I reached into my pocket and produced the receipt. She took it from me, face full of confusion. She unfolded it and smiled, handing it back to me. The note said, Viola, please give your friend Enid my number. I think she's cute. Signed, Lowell. It included his digits. My face warmed up and Viola grinned at me. She sang, Enid likes a hey dude. I swatted at her. Shut up. Well, he was kind of nice. Gonzo loomed over us. Ladies, we'll start closing early tonight. We're dead, and I know Enid wants to get out of here. Viola scurried off to start putting away toppings. I shrugged. My date's off, and I'm on my own tonight. No rush. He made a low growl and squinted at me. Huh, 
Sorry, I didn't realize it was that urgent. I smiled. It's okay. I need this job more than I need. Well, never mind. He nodded. Hey, if you're at loose ends, I know a guy who's got an anti-Valentine's party going on. He's in food service, too, so it doesn't start until after midnight. I was thinking of going. I'd drag Brett along, but he's got plans. Brett stuck his tongue out at Gonzo. Gonzo made kissy faces at Brett. Brett rolled his eyes and punched Gonzo's shoulder. I shrugged. Sure, why not? Beat sitting around feeling sorry for myself. I'll pick up some beer to contribute on the way. Gonzo clapped a paw-like hand on my shoulder. That's the spirit. I thought of the candlelit couple, separated by time, felt the receipt in my pocket, and said, I don't know about that. Maybe I'll invite a new friend along, too. The End Thank you for listening to the Alien Beer Podcast. If you like my stories, please visit my website, sillyhatbooks.com. I publish as E. Chris Garrison, and my books may be found in paperback, ebook, and audiobook format on Amazon.com and other places. It's Bizong, the weird and wacky fiction podcast, with me, your host, Mr. Frank. Every Monday, we're talking to everyone who's anyone writing weird and wacky fiction. So if you enjoy reading funny and strange books, or you enjoy writing funny and strange books, join us on Bazong each week to learn along with Mr. Frank. Bazong every Monday, a part of the Project Entertainment Network. This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.